through 1 Corinthians this morning, or this, this season, we look at uh, 1 Corinthians, the f- first chapter, starting at the 10th verse, and we hear these words from Paul. Now I'd appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be knit together in the same mind, the same purpose. For it has been made clear to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then we move today 
to the story of Jesus calling his first disciples in the book of Matthew. And in Matthew, this starts at the 12th chapter and goes on through the 23rd. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in a boat with their father Zebedee. Mending their nets. And Jesus called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So before I sit down to preach, let me apologize for my tardiness today. Do you remember times in the life of this church when there were contentious congregational meetings? No? Nobody remembers that? Okay, good. Um, While I was in one today, a guy came after me. I asked him if he wanted to step outside because I thought he was going to fight me. He said, no, I just can't hear, and I'm trying to get up close to you to hear what you're saying. But he came puffed up. It was kind of a rough time. Took a lot longer. Usually those minutes are about those meetings are about five minutes. I'm in and I'm out. In five years I've never had this problem, but today we did. And so thank you, Jean, and thank you, Debbie. It all went fine. And here we are, ready to talk about being disciples and Jesus' call. I hope that some of you have been looking at the series, the movie series called The Chosen. And the guy who has put this together um, has done it. He heard the, the Lord speak to him and say that he wanted one billion people to watch this and hear the word of Jesus. And so he's put together a wonderful series on the life of Jesus. He's funding it as he goes. So we only get about two episodes a year or every so often that he comes up with so that we can see it and know what's happening. But he's also kind of playing fast and loose with the Bible. It's not exactly a biblical account. He's added things that are plausible 
but not biblical. And let me give you an example, because today's text is a good one. In the movie, what you see is Andrew is a disciple of John the Baptist, which is actually true biblically. But Andrew then says to his brother Simon, come and see what's happening with this man Jesus. We found the Messiah. This is the guy. You've got to check this guy out. He's amazing. And Simon becomes like the PR guy for Jesus in this film. And so he's telling these people, these people he knows, these other fishermen, John and his brother, about Jesus. It's a much more plausible way of thinking about Jesus calling his disciples than what Matthew's text gives us. Because in Matthew's text, the way it reads is, Jesus is just walking down the street, walking down the beach, and he sees his guys and he goes, hey, you follow me. And they go, yeah, okay, sure. And they leave everything they have. Immediately, their professions, their families, everything, and follow Jesus without knowing one thing about him. It's very difficult to imagine anybody ever doing that. And it makes it seem way too easy, in my estimation, for people to follow Jesus. Because we make a mistake if we think that it's easy to follow Jesus. Now, the thing that makes it plausible that that is what happened is this sense in us that in the ordinariness of life, God calls us. My old friend Roger Nishioka, that really famous Presbyterian Christian educator, tells a story about when he was a boy the one thing his family always did together was watch Wild Kingdom. Y'all remember Wild Kingdom? For those of you who are young in the room, Wild Kingdom was kind of the precursor to Animal Planet. And specifically, he remembers watching an episode with seal pups in it. And apparently what happens with seal pups is that they're born and then their mothers go off for a time to tend to themselves after birth and then they come back to a whole bunch of pups all together and the scene in, in Wild Kingdom on the day that Roger and his family were watching was of all the pups then and all the mothers finding one another these tens and hundreds of pups like by themselves being somehow reunited with their own mother. The right mothers hook up with the right kids. And Roger's Presbyterian dad said you know this is what it is like with us and God. God's imprint is on us from the beginning. 
and our imprint is on God. And so we can find each other in a way that is natural and designed for us to do. It is the notion that St. Augustine talks about when he says, Our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they rest in Thee. There's something about the way we're created that draws us toward God. You know, there's this sense of God that some people have in the ordinariness of life. There was a woman in my Nebraska church who would all, anytime we would talk about where do you see God in your life, she would talk about when she was a young woman and was walking home from church one Christmas Eve in Alma, Nebraska, which was a town that made our little town of 700 with no stoplights look like a big city. She was in Alma, Nebraska, walking home one Christmas Eve, and the snow began to fall, and everything was calm and peaceful and quiet. And she said, and I just knew, that God was there and present in my life. Some people have this sense in the ordinariness of life that God is around. We had this tree on my campus when I was in college and people would look at it. You know how you kind of look at clouds and you see different things like that's a cow or that's a sheep or that's Snoopy or looks like George Washington or whatever. We had a tree that people would do that with. What's a tree look like today? And so we were walking, I was walking past the tree with one of my friends, and I said, what do you see in that tree? And she said, oh, I see God. You see, what, what does God look like to you? No, no, that's not it. I just know that when I look at a tree that's that glorious, that God had to have some hand in it. People have those moments in life. We all have probably had some moment in life, the birth of your child or grandchild, a moment in nature, a sunset, a mountaintop, a river. And you can look around and know God is there. We could make the claim, I suppose... That those ordinary moments of life help us, at least. Make it easier to follow Jesus. That if the fishermen had had one of those moments in their boats, that it might make sense that when Jesus said, follow me, that they would come and follow. That in... Theological terms is called general revelation. But Christians specifically seem to think that general revelation is not enough for us to know how to follow Jesus. We have to turn to specific revelation, which is God manifest in Jesus. And why, you might ask. 
Well, let me give you an example. The last six months of his life, I never saw my dad when he didn't say to me, Oh, good, you're here. Now you can pray for me to die. And I'd say, yeah, it doesn't work that way. We're not going to do that. And he'd go on and on about how miserable his life was and how he wanted to see my mother and how, oh, woe's me. And, and you know, just can I just get, get out of this earth? So you should pray for me to die. It doesn't work that way because it's not within the will of God. If God wanted him to die, God would have taken care of that, I'm pretty sure. God is all about life. God is life-giving, not death-dealing. When we follow... If all we rely on is general revelation, our own sense of God in the ordinariness of life, without understanding that Jesus is how God has chosen to show us who God is, we could end up down a wrong path like that. Thinking that God wants things like for us to die. Fresh our relationships to fall apart, or for those around us to live miserably, that we're somehow cursed. God doesn't want any of those things for us. So when we follow, we must be careful. Today's text doesn't show them being careful. It shows them almost impetuous. Follow me. Okay. Let's go. But this is chapter 4. We have 20 more where these four men Sit every single day, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, year by year, learning at the feet of Jesus everything that he has to say. And this text is clear. Jesus goes on and does three things right away. He teaches He asks for repentance. And he heals. In all of those things, the disciples, we learn who Jesus is. How Jesus operates in this world right now, today. How we could live as one of his followers. The guy Joseph Campbell, who many of you know because he wrote a lot about myths, actually wrote about religion in general and looked for commonalities among religious um, themes. 
he said that the beginning of something in almost every religion starts out as a call to adventure. If I had been here this morning to welcome you, I would have said, good morning, welcome to the adventure. We imagine coming in every week and thinking about worship as the adventure that we're having to start our week. Discipleship is a call to adventure. The call to discover what God has in store for us, not just in the next life, but in this one. Because we follow and know Jesus through his word and his ways and our life together. Beloved, welcome to the adventure. Thanks be to God. Amen.